0: Each week, I'll interview a crowdfunding success story, an inspirational entrepreneur, or a business expert in order to help you take your startup to the next level with crowdfunding. Art of the Kickstart is honored to be sponsored by Backerkit and the Gadget Flow. Backerkit makes software that crowdfunding project creators use to survey backers, organize data and manage orders for fulfillment by automating your operations and helping you print and ship faster. The Gadget Flow is a product discovery platform that helps you discover, save, and buy awesome products. It is the ultimate buyer's guide for luxury gadgets and creative gifts. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome to another edition of Art of the Kickstart. Today I am joined with Colin McIntosh, founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles. Colin, thanks so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: So I love the name of your company, I think being from the north, it's something you know that that a lot of people say up there. But I love the idea of it and the product that you've created, making these insanely soft bed sheets. So let's talk about your current Indiegogo campaign. You guys have over 1,300 backers, you know, tens and tens of thousands of dollars in support for this campaign. Where does this idea come from? What inspired you to create Sheets and Giggles?
1: Well, it's interesting because obviously the sustainability aspect of it is important to me personally. My last company before I decided to become my own founder was an IoT company. Basically, I I learned a lot there, did a ton of work with retailers. I mean, we were in pretty much every major US retailer you can name. There were a couple things that I absorbed out of that. One was just that I wanted a product of my own and, and specifically a physical product that actually had a mission behind it and then i was kind of looking over my different options for something that was traditionally sold in physical retail that i could help bring online and i kind of stumbled across bed sheets almost almost accidentally and i started doing more and more research and realized that it was something that had a pretty big impact on me personally just in my life and learned a lot about cotton and what a dirty crop it is. And so I wanted to go down a more sustainable eucalyptus route for our fabrics and also offer our sheets at a price that you won't find in a, a big blue bedding retailer.
0: Dirty crops. I love that name. <laughs> Let's cut that a little bit. I mean, what, what uh, was the impetus of deciding to create product sheets out of eucalyptus instead of, you know, the cotton or I really enjoyed your video talking about the Egyptian cotton and the the myths behind that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, there there's definitely been a few scandals in the past where, you know, Egyptian cotton is not actually grown in Egypt. And those are fairly well documented. And I think that a lot of people are familiar with that nowadays. The biggest thing for me though is that our sheets that are made from eucalyptus, you know, they're definitely a better product in the sense of they're softer, they're naturally more breathable. For me, I'm a hot sleeper, so the breathability is is the main selling point for me. But then as as kind of this secondary, almost really positive benefit, we also use 96%. Less water than cotton to make one of our sheets, as well as 30% less energy. And we also use no insecticides or pesticides, whereas cotton as a crop is responsible for about 16 to 24% of the world's insecticide use. And it's not a one to one ratio. They use about 2.5% of the world's arable land for cotton. So it's about a 10 to 1 ratio in terms of the amount of insecticides they're using. For the amount of land that they're using so i was a little unconvinced when i first started doing my research and i said okay well i need to you know actually feel the fabric and and understand if eucalyptus is actually a better product because i think in this category sorry to all the green people out there of which i'm one but i i think that people will choose comfort over any other benefit. <laughs> on top of that, it's just a a, a selfish thing that humans do with their betting. And so, I really wanted to make sure it was an incredible product first and foremost. And and the sustainability aspects of it are are just you know incredible for me to to think about on top of the softness.
0: You go from an IoT product <laughs> to creating sheets and giggles. Let's let's talk about what that process looked like and how you went about deciding. You know what features to include and designs and all those things.
1: Yeah, so I was actually I was on founding team of a wearable technology startup prior to this, and I ran all of our business and business development and sales. And uh, you know, really, the main takeaways for me from that experience over the last few years was were, were that hardware startups are incredibly difficult. You know, that's not anything shocking or new, and I think a lot of your founders on the podcast will have that same understanding. But building something that has maybe 20 or 30 different parts that come from 10 or 15 different vendors, you know, creates this really high complexity supply chain, you have to make your product decisions months and months ahead of time before you ever ship a single unit. There's tons of upfront costs in terms of whether it's tooling or some specific type of plastic that you need. And so, really, uh, after my last company, I was looking for a lower complexity supply chain for sure, and something that I could bring to market faster, and that I didn't have to rely on physical retail to kind of get to a larger audience. And that's what led me down, you know, the path of almost the way I like to kind of phrase it is that I built a business model, and then created a product to fit into that business model. So it's a little different. Than I think the traditional founder story, still very passionate about sustainability, sleeping, puns. It's definitely a business first. And I think a lot of people, when they go on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, they maybe don't have an... And this is not the to disparage anybody, but I think that a lot of campaigns maybe are, are shocked by the difficulty at which bringing something to life, you know, can how, how difficult it can be. I was just really excited to find something that I knew I could bring to market quickly and that had a way lower complexity supply chain than something like an electronic.
0: So what's been the biggest challenge you've encountered while designing this product?
1: Navi, I mean, when I say lower complexity, uh, it doesn't mean easy, right? It's still uh, a physical product. There are still decisions that need to be made months and months in advance, there's still a whole new industry for me to learn how to navigate. So while I definitely have physical product experience, and I definitely have some good experience with moving physical products, even though it's, you know, quote, unquote, just fabrics, it's still extremely difficult. And uh, so it's all relative scale. and, And I've had to learn how to navigate the fabrics industry and textiles on the fly. And that's been definitely the most challenging piece.
0: Let's talk about the crowdfunding campaign. What made you decide that crowdfunding was the right approach to launch Sheets and Giggles?
1: Well, I had actually done a prior crowdfunding campaign about a year ago this time with one of our newer products that we were releasing at my old company. And so I had a really healthy appreciation for the amount of people that the platforms can reach. You know, you can do a self-starter on your own website, right? But you're not going to have any baked-in audience where one sale or one backer begets more because of the the visibility and discoverability of that platform. So really, I knew I was going to do an Indiegogo, I think, because that was the platform I used last time. So I had some familiarity with it. And I knew all the things that I wish I could have done last time. And it's definitely true what they say, which is your second campaign is is a lot easier than the first in the sense of you you know a little bit more about do's and don'ts but there are still a ton of things this time that I wish I wish I had done differently. So we
0: always talk about, you know, preparation for crowdfunding campaigns. How long did you spend preparing for each one of your crowdfunding campaigns and, you know, what are some of the things that you changed from the first one to this one?
1: Well, that was that was actually the biggest most important thing that we did was we did about 10 weeks of preparation. And I think that a lot of people really uh, underestimate how many how much time they should spend preparing for a campaign like this. I mean, you're literally bringing your company to life, so it's the most important 30 days that you'll ever spend on your company. It's through or die, and I I can't tell you the amount of people. I actually just did a, an AMA on Reddit the other day. I can't tell you the amount the amount of people that said, "Hey, I've launched a Kickstarter a year ago and it got no traction. I only spent a week a week or two weeks preparing for it. Is that not enough time?" <laughs> and so. We we basically ran a ton of digital advertising, social advertising to landing pages for email capture. And so we didn't pay for email lists or anything. We just wanted people to opt in that were interested in puns, sleeping and sustainability, probably in that order. And we actually gathered, I think it was close to 10,000 emails before we launched. And that was a crucial watershed moment, I think, for the company was when we hit that email goal ahead of capture. We just did some pretty simple math. And we said, okay, let's say... of our email list converts, and we want to make a $100,000 campaign, we'll probably need about $30,000 on the first day. We'll have an average price of $100 per backer. So that means that we need 300 backers on our first day, 3% conversion rate. You're looking at about 10,000 emails that we need to gather in order to be successful. So it was really simple math. I think that every founder should do that and find their email number that they need before they launch of qualified leads. And sure enough, we had a $44,000 first day. And now we're sitting at, after 21 days, we're sitting at about 157,000. So really, really happy with the preparation that we did.
0: So What was the conversion rate on that email list when you guys launched and did 44K? on? Your email? <laughs> it ended up being exactly what we thought. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So you guys have a very distinct and unique voice, should we say, on your Indiegogo campaign surrounding your brand. You know, how did you go about conceptualizing it, developing it, and utilizing it in your marketing?
1: Yes, yeah, so that's a that's a great question. I think one of the most important things we ever did was I sat down when I incorporated the company back in October of 2017, seven, eight months now, which is crazy to think. And I did a brand I did an identity map first and foremost. And that was Something that I don't think a lot of people have done for their companies, which everybody should do. It really guides the entire marketing voice for the lifetime of the company. And we decided, all right, here are our brand archetypes. Here's what we're going to do. And on a higher level, if you look at the entire betting industry, it is so insanely boring. I mean, everybody... Bores me to tears, honestly. Like, it's always you're gonna love your home, you're gonna love your bedroom, like your wife's gonna love you again. And it's all, it's just like terrible, terrible marketing and a and a very, what I think is a very fun, important room for your life, it just tends to be the same, all right, here's the folded sheets on the bed, here's now the sheets on the bed, here's some coffee with some bread and breakfast on the bed and it just drives me crazy. And so I wanted to, to do something a little fun, zig where other people were zagging, I figured there were other people like me that didn't take their bedroom so, you know, damn seriously. I, it's funny, if you look at some of our competitors' Instagram pages, and there are, I won't mention their names, but there's some you know betting startups out there that are doing direct-to-consumer betting sales, all cotton, obviously, and they should be ashamed of themselves. But if you look at their if their Instagrams, it's literally like you can't even tell the companies apart. I actually have this great slide in my deck where I have like 9 images from 9 different companies. And I say, you know, here's one company that's a competitor of ours. And then I'm like, oh, wait, actually, it's 9 different companies and it's literally the exact same template of the pic- of the picture. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate the copycat marketers, right? Yeah, it's all it's all, you know, people see one thing that works and they say, okay, well people apparently love super pretentious betting companies. So, you know, it, our brand voice is definitely more of a fun, energetic brand voice and, you know, we're always looking for funny things to do and they can't all be golden, you know, our ads sometimes they make people laugh, sometimes they miss, but it's a volume play.
0: So with that in mind. You guys have gotten some great press coverage, you know, outlets like Buzzfeed and Forbes. How or what tips would you provide to other creators looking to get awesome coverage like that?
1: Well, I think you you have to hire some type of PR agency or consultant, somebody that understands what you're looking for and is willing to work with you to represent your company well. I mean, I think it, go, it goes back to just a founder maybe knowing their strengths. And I know that I'm not someone that can spend all day reaching out to PR outlets. And I don't really have the connections necessary to do so. And so I've been working with a great consultancy that's been basically directing me on what to do and who to talk to and where to send samples out to. And that's, you know, just knowing your own strengths and weaknesses and providing leverage on the weakness on the weakness side. But I also think that you have to have a product that is something that people will want to read about. I mean, sustainability is obviously topical and everybody can relate to betting and in the bedroom. So I think you also have to understand how your product will relate to somebody's readers and make sure that your pitches are very strong for something that's going to get them, you know, actual click through and eyeballs. That's what everybody's looking for. Indeed. So what's been the biggest surprise of the Indiegogo campaign so far? I think that I was mostly shocked by how strongly people are resonating with the brand. Like I, I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm replying to pretty much every email personally that we get. I'm, you know, we respond to all of our comments on Facebook uh, on our ads within maybe five or 10 minutes. And I think I've just been shocked at how strongly people can, identify with a brand that maybe they they just heard of. It's actually pretty interesting to look at from like a detached level from the company. But people like honesty. They like transparency. They like uh, genuine brands that don't give them templated emails or templated comments or, you know, CRFAQs for more information. Like nobody likes that stuff. That's BS. Like so... I think that when you respond to people in a very human, relatable, fun way, and you're available at all hours of the day, all hours of the night, obviously not scalable, and and we'll have to build out a team at some point. I think that people just respond well. And I think I've been shocked by just how fierce and loyal I've, I've already have with some people who are promoting me nonstop and, you know, it's driving more traffic to the campaign and and it it just pays off dividends if you treat people well. So
0: you guys have, you know, hundreds of backers on this campaign. What's the weirdest comment you've received
1: so far? (laughs) The special requests kind of drive me a little crazy. I'm being honest, like the, we've got some pretty good bundles. I mean, obviously you can't overwhelm people with 87 different options on the page because it'll just limit conversion. You know, you want to streamline to maybe five or 10 options maximum, but we do get a lot of people saying, hey, I'd really love a, you know two sheet sets, four duvet covers, 18 pillowcases, and half a comforter. Something ridiculous. And I do think it's funny when I've gotten requests like that, and I try to accommodate as many of them as I can. And then we also, uh, people are like, I think people just want to have their voice heard. Because some people will just comment on our ads and say those a lot of really, really great things. But they also say, like one person recently said, terrible name for a serious product, if it's a serious product. And all we did in response was we, we slapped that quote on a funny image that we had. And we responded to them with it. And we were like, thanks for our new advertisement. And so now we're promoting that quote as a you know, terrible name for a serious product. I think it's hilarious. That's fun, man. <laughs> Sounds like you're having a lot of fun with the backers. And I'm sure they are as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, you know, whether it's the free gifts that we give people that find the Easter eggs on our page, or, you know, the the emails back and forth and all the jokes, we, we also give away free pizza to two backers every single Friday. So that's been really fun is seeing all the gifs and videos and pictures of people eating their free pizza. You know, it, it's, it's just one of those things where I wanted to start a company and treat people the way that I always wanted companies to treat me and people are having a lot of fun with it. Hopefully they treat you well in the bedroom, right? <laughs> yeah, that's they can they can come jump in the bed with us
0: anytime. Awesome. All right, Colin. This is gonna get us into our launch round where I'm gonna rapid fire some questions at you. You good to go? Yeah, sounds fun. What inspired you to be an entrepreneur?
1: My folks. So my my dad owns his own law firm, and my mom owns her own acupuncture practice. And I growing up with two entrepreneurs really pushed me in that direction.
0: So if you could share a bed with sheets and giggles sheets with any entrepreneur throughout history, who would it be?
1: <laughs> kind of weird that the first name that popped in my head was Elon Musk, but yeah, I'd love to have breakfast in bed with that dude and pick his brain. Awesome. What would be your first question for Elon? <laughs> Is he, uh, would he make fun of me for doing something so trivial compared to like what, what he's doing or would he be happy with the sustainability aspect? I mean, he probably, he'd probably think that what we're doing is so quaint. Yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, he's, you know, he's, road, right? yeah, right. He's, he's going to Mars and you know, we're making bed sheets.
0: Yeah, sheets for Mars. Everybody needs sheets, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll see if I can get some on the, the new Falcon, the new Falcon rocket. What's your
0: favorite book, Colin?
1: Favorite book. I've got a, I've got a few, I mean, in terms of fiction, classic would probably be Marie Shelley's Frankenstein. I don't know why that, that popped in my head, but that's just an all-time favorite. And then, I mean, I think everybody's read The Lean Startup, which is a fairly common answer for entrepreneurs. And then also, there's one book that we use in all of our advertisements. I don't know if I can say it on air, but it's called Go the F to Sleep. And that's definitely been my favorite little Easter egg in all of our photos and videos. Is that book? Great nighttime reading. Yeah, exactly. It's it's for parents who uh, are pretty sick of reading bedtime stories. Indeed. All right, last question, Colin. What does the future of crowdfunding look like? I think it's probably less. If, if I had if I had to predict it out, I think that there's been. A lot of people that have tried and failed on these platforms, I think there's been a lot of people that have backed campaigns that have never received products. And so the platform has a lot of incredible people on it and it has a lot of incredible entrepreneurs bringing new products to market. And I think that it needs to whittled down to just the best projects and best people, both on the on the project side and on the backer side. And so I do think that there will be a greater emphasis in the future on whether it's qualified projects or I think you can see it on Indiegogo already, right? Where they where they say, hey, this product is in prototype stage or production stage or shipping stage. I think that more of that needs to happen in order to inspire longer term confidence in the platform. And then obviously, we you're know, you seeing a shift to equity crowdfunding, which I also think is pretty interesting, you know, where people can buy micro shares of a company for their donations. And I think that that's also a really interesting future where, you know, they're not just getting products, but they're also getting ownership in a company. So I think both those are, you know, better quality, fewer projects and, and more equity crowdfunding.
0: Solid. Colin, this has been great. This is your chance to give our audience your pitch. Tell them what you're all about, where they should go, and why they should check you out.
1: Yeah, so it's a it's a fairly straightforward pitch. Everybody needs bed sheets. You know, you're going to buy them at some point in your life, probably in the next year if you're a typical American. If you want to buy something besides cotton, something that's softer than cotton, more breathable, more lightweight, just Google sheets and giggles. Uh, our website will be the first result, and then the Indiegogo probably second or third. And you can buy some eucalyptus bed sheets that are sustainable softer than cotton and honestly the best bed sheets that i've ever owned.
0: Awesome. Audience, thanks again for tuning in. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com for all the notes, transcript, links to the campaign and everything we talked about today. And of course, thank you to our crowdfunding podcast sponsors, The Gadget Flow and Backer Kit. And if you loved this episode as much as i do, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Colin, thank you so much for joining us today on Art of the Kickstart.
1: Thanks for having me, Roy. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Art of the Kickstart, the show about building a business, world, and life with crowdfunding. If you've enjoyed today's episode, awesome. Make sure to visit artofthekickstart.com and tell us all about it. There, you'll find additional information about past episodes, our Kickstarter guide to crushing it. And of course, if you love this episode a lot, leave us a review at artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes. It helps more inventors, entrepreneurs, and startups find this show and helps us get better guests